0: Welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks for tuning in here. It is Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021, the day after Election Day. We know the results of almost every race in the five boroughs, but for a few city council contests. We are talking here after the momentous 2021 New York City election cycle where all of city government was on the ballot and most of it turning over due to term limits, uh, a really important election cycle, obviously for the future of New York City. These elections are determining not only the new class of elected officials for New York City, but of course the direction that they will then take the city as uh, it continues to come out of this COVID crisis and the pandemic and questions around how well and how easily that will actually happen. There were, of course, also uh, very interesting state constitutional amendment proposals on the ballot, five questions that voters around the state were weighing in on and some mixed results there. So in a moment, I'm going to get into all of that with the one and only Bob Hart, the New York political director for Spectrum News, which includes New York One, of course, our favorite here in New York City. And we'll get into a lot about city and state politics with Bob what a mayor, Eric Adams, might be like, what we heard from him in his victory speech, and much more about his coming mayoralty in context with Bob, who's covered a number of past mayors and much more, including the looming gubernatorial race, which is already uh, up and running. And we saw Governor Kathy Hochul make a quick appearance at Eric Adams' victory night party, so a lot going on to catch up with Bob about in just a moment. But first, if you've missed any recent episodes of the podcast, find Max Politics wherever you get podcasts, or we have all the episodes at the Gotham Gazette website if you prefer to listen through there. I've had some really interesting conversations in recent weeks and months about city and state politics with a variety of elected officials, candidates, experts, journalists, advocates, and others. Of course, we've spent a good bit of time looking at the state level and the transition from Governor Andrew Cuomo Governor Kathy Hochul, talking with Comptroller Tom DiNapoli, Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, and others. At the city level, we've obviously been focused on the elections, but also talking with several of the city council members, hoping to be the next speaker of the city council. I've recently uh, talked on the podcast with four of those council members, Keith Powers, Carlina Rivera, Adrian Adams, and Justin Brannon, and we'll have others who are hoping to return to the council and then become its leader when that vote is taken in January. So stay tuned for the next in those conversations. But if you've missed some of the ones I've already had, do find those. That's just a sampling of the guests we've had in recent weeks and months. Lots of others. Check them out at Max Politics, wherever you get podcasts or the Gotham Gazette website. OK, Bob Hart, how are you? I'm uh, recovering from a uh, it
1: wasn't a late night, but it was also an early morning for me, so still picking up the mental pieces from last night. Uh, it was a pretty interesting night, even though we sort of knew the,
0: predicted the out could have predicted the outcome a while ago for the general election for mayor. Right. There weren't a lot of surprises at the top level, the citywide races, really the borough wide races as well. But the city council had some interesting uh, surprises or seeming surprises in some cases, some things we still don't know. We'll, we'll get to some of that. Um, I know near where you live, there's, there was one of the most watched city council races that turned out to not be that close. So some interesting stuff at the council level, but, um, at the citywide level, let's obviously start with, with mayor-elect Eric Adams. What did we hear from him on uh, in, during his victory speech on Tuesday night that stuck out to you? Uh, anything in particular that caught your ear? Any persistent I mean, themes?
1: It was pretty brilliant overall. I mean, it was sort of, I would t- say, his spirit is what I would take from a not like a great line uh, or a great moment as much as the excitement that he had clearly had from the night. And then, you know, the idea that he, went there was not just that, that he, there was two after parties that he went to uh, as well. And it sort of made me think back to the days of when Hugh Carey was governor of New York and seen out and about out in the town all the time and sort of got into a war with columnist, Jimmy Breslin about, Oh, the governor's out too much. I'm, I was already thinking like, Hey, we could have a mayor who like we is out and about and, 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 you know, he was talking about it with uh, Pat Kiernan uh, this morning and saying, hey, this is this is good for I want to be to support New York's nightlife. So we might have to have political reporters uh, uh, skew their alarm clocks a little bit uh, if Eric Adams victory night is a precursor of what he could be like as mayor.
0: Yeah, we have this really interesting situation where he's he's very outwardly promised to to be a lot more cool, a lot more fun than some of uh, the other mayors we've been used to, and and seemingly we're going to have a pretty big personality and a pretty big character here as mayor come come January first. How are you thinking about whether it's that or other things? You know how we're how we're looking at a shift from Mayor Bill De Blasio to to Eric Adams, um, both on sort of style. Substance, you know what we've what we've heard from Eric Adams throughout the campaign, and on election night, um, we're in for some shifts, even if they they align on on a lot of stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I, I'm putting the the style aside and and looking at the meat and potatoes of what what does Eric Adams stand for? I think he's much more of a pragmatist than Bill De Blasio. That Bill De Blasio, I I'll always remember the fight for pre-K for universal pre-K, even when he Basically, was getting it from Cuomo. The he wasn't totally satisfied. De Blasio wasn't totally satisfied because he didn't like the way he was going to be paid for. He wanted the tax the rich to get it. And I, I sort of think like, well, you won the battle, and you, and, and and yet you know you're, you're trying to lose it somehow um, because you're not getting the money through the the way that you think is ideological accepta- acceptable. I don't think that's the way Eric Adams is going to operate. Um, On the one hand, though, it is great to have an ideological, be very ideological, because then you have, uh, you know, a a set of principles that you operate from. The idea is that if you're squishy uh, and don't have those ideologies, then you can do anything. But sometimes mayors do need to be a little squishy. They need to be able to meet with the activists, but they also need to meet with the business people. And it's clear from um, since the primary, there's victory in the primary, that Eric Adams is meeting with sort of business leaders who Bill De Blasio sort of thumbed his nose at. So I think we're going to get someone who at least like the real estate developers and the big business, you know, think they can work with, but probably also you know medium and small business who sometimes complain that the Blasio administration wasn't always taking up their charge as well. So I mean that that's one thing I'll really be watching for. And the other thing is that, that what we can do between now and January 1st when he's inaugurated is he'll start you know making some appointments or so they'll leak out and that'll give us a good idea of who is this kind of police commissioner? You know, Who is the kind of person who's going to run his social services agency? And this is also the chance. Uh, he's been getting uh, not unjustifiably knocked as, oh, well, you're a creature of Brooklyn Democratic politics or you play footsie with a, with a Brooklyn Democratic machine. This is a chance for Eric Adams to sort of break away a little bit from that if he wants to and show that he's his own man and maybe make some appointments outside of the box that neither you nor I. Or anyone in the in the inside political world has been thinking about.
0: Yeah, no, I think you know that's especially interesting to you know keep tabs on is how much are we watching him sort of pay back some political favors or listen to those insiders, um, and then to what extent do those appointments make sense? You know, are they are they people in position where you say, all right, you know, that's someone who supported him throughout the campaign. And obviously he wanted to find a spot for, it, but actually it, it also makes sense because that's that, that's that person's area of expertise. Um, and then, and then secondarily sort of, who's he bringing in that are, you know, more sort of renowned experts in their fields to run certain agencies, to be deputy commissioners, budget directors, and things like that. I mean, these are obviously the nuts and bolts of, of filling out an administration that would be fascinating to watch here for him. Um, what, what, is your sense of what he seems to see as his mandate from voters. Um, you know, he, he obviously won by a very wide margin. We're, we're yet to see the final tally because there's a lot of absentee ballots out there that will likely skew pretty heavily Democratic. So his margin will probably increase. Um, but what's your what's your sense of how he thinks voters are sending him into City Hall and Gracie Mansion, you know, to do at the top uh, of his priorities.
1: Yeah, one thing he's really seized upon is, or is he's identifying himself as a blue collar kind of guy that he was when he was a, a, a cop, you know, he was in a municipal union that he, he is one of us is, is almost, you know, what he's telling working and middle-class New Yorkers. um, and that, that's, a, you know, that's an interesting kind of rah-rah that you don't always hear. You certainly didn't hear from Michael Bloomberg. And it, you didn't really hear it from Bill de Blasio either because it wasn't really true. So that's one thing. How that translate, translates into policy, I'm, I'm really curious. Like, what will this mean economically? What kind of fiscal experiments will he try? Um, and also, I, you know P- Bill de Blasio does not get enough credit for what he did before the pandemic anyways lowering the poverty rate in in New York city, the poverty rate actually went down the tail of two cities. His, his war, Bill de Blasio's war against the tail of the two cities and trying to make it one actually was very successful using a lot of metrics until the pandemic. So I think the other challenge for, for Eric Adams is identifying what worked because some stuff certainly worked Mm -hmm. uh, and what didn't, and also take on stuff like, you know, do you really want to take on like these, these real projects like, the prop reforming the property tax—that's always, you know, the third rail. Mayors don't want to do that, but you know, it's it's not fair the way that the property tax system works in New York City. Does he want to take that on? What does he want to do with transportation? Um, the the you know the vision zero, while a great PR campaign, really wasn't all that successful in, in reducing traffic and pedestrian deaths. So, what does Eric Adams want to do about that? There's there's a million things, but we we almost forget the biggest thing is how do you make sure the pandemic Continue, the numbers continue to be tamped down and they don't go back up. And you know, Bill de Blasio did Eric Adams a big favor by really going after the municipal workers on his way out the door by saying, you
0: need to get vaccinated now and not leaving that to, to Eric Adams to figure out. Yeah, that's a really interesting point um, and an important one. You know, it strikes me that um, Eric Adams is, is obviously about to go from borough president to mayor, which is Um, obviously not an unforeseen, you know, an unforeseen jump. And it's not something we haven't also seen before with the the first black mayor of New York City history. And Adam's about to become the second, uh, David Dinkins, of course. Um, But, you know, whether it's from borough president to mayor, Bill de Blasio going from public advocate to mayor, Michael Bloomberg going from running, obviously, a business empire, but being outside of city government. You know, we've seen these last mayors have to make this jump uh, there's almost no way for anybody to be that prepared to be mayor, but from your experience, Bob, watching these transitions and what you're watching for from Adams, how do you describe, you know, sort of the shift that's about to occur here? I mean, you know, as I've watched Adams during this campaign and as borough president, you know, you've seen him change positions on some stuff. Uh, almost all politicians do that, of course. Uh, we've seen him be wishy-washy on some things, but we've also seen him take a bunch of positions where he's known okay, this is going to be popular with some and unpopular with others. And, and, you know, from where I sit, you know, it's those types of things that just become uh, accelerated to such an exponential degree when you're mayor of New York city, that you have to make these choices that are going to piss off some section of the city. Um, How do you sort of think about that shift and that jump he's about to make?
1: Well, for his sake and the city's sake, hopefully he had some of his people work on a transition plan, you know, early July until now already having it underway. Bill de Blasio's transition was very sloppy, um, going from team Bloomberg to team de Blasio. And there's going to be some of that's understandable, but some of it, I would say the first several months, really, it was, it was like, they were trying to fly the plane as they were building it. And it was sort of inexcusable in that, yes, you know, Joe Lota was his opponent, but he should, I really felt like Bill de needed to get more more things running ahead of time. And if Eric Adams hasn't done that, well, he better do it quickly because it's not that long between now and January 1st. And first impressions, as we all know, and not just in politics, make a big deal. And Eric Adams really should have sort of like a football coach when the team has the ball for the first possession. They've plotted out all their plays pretty much. And you even have, have backup plays for if it didn't work, well, what do you do at second and 10? And so on and so on. That's what Eric Adams really needs to map out for the first two months. And maybe you get on the phone with Governor Hochul. This is what I want to do. Have everything try to, to at least choreograph. That's not going to be perfect. Obviously, there's, you can't predict everything. You can't predict snowstorms. You can't predict a, an upsurge in the pandemic. But the transition is very, very important. And I, I, you, know, you saw that with Bill Clinton in 1993, it's not a great transition. I would say you know Biden's numbers aren't great now, and obviously it's apples and oranges a little bit with the White House and and the city. But I, I would say Biden's transition at the beginning was very very smooth, and it really helps a, a new person in an office, and it also gives the electorate um, either dissatisfaction or a sense of of competency very very quickly about a
0: leader. Mm-hmm. With, with Eric Adams, um, you know one of the biggest differences obviously comes into office. Uh, without a governor, Andrew Cuomo looming in Albany, uh, he comes into office with, you know, uh, some, some similar rhetoric though, that we heard from Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo about, about working together. Although, you know, uh, as you said about pragmatism, you know, de Blasio in his own way, sort of spoiled that a bit by insisting on this tax hike that Andrew Cuomo, uh, you know, would, would rather have gone to war than, than push for. And we saw that. Um, but you know, Adams isn't coming in, at least as of now, with some huge ask of Albany. Uh, he's not necessarily coming in with very clearly defined uh, legislative priorities that he'll be, you know, pushing with the city council. Again, we'll see if he's fleshing a lot of that out in the coming weeks and months. Um, but it seems like so much of what he's promised is very clearly about how he'll run the police department, how he'll run the Department of Education. And, and even more broadly, just how he'll run city government and and, he, and his promise to make it more efficient, more effective, um, you know, stop uh, pulling people out of the river and preventing them from falling in, as he as he likes to say. Um, so I think that, you know, sets him up for a very interesting transition and beginning of his of his term. We will, we'll of course you know, get to see what he wants to ask of Albany as they come back into session and and Governor Hochul will be laying out her priorities. And as you said, it would be smart of him to strategize with her and, and the legislature, but he's coming in really with this focus on managing city government, especially those two major departments. What do you make of that sort of lens and promise? And are there, are there pitfalls ahead for him in sort of uh, trying to tame, you know, the behemoth of city government?
1: Well, I, I think one of his greatest challenges is what kind of a, a leader does he want to be for his team? Do you want to be a, like a Rudy Giuliani, Andrew Cuomo micromanager where you're not necessarily going to get great talent? Or if you do, you're going to cow them so much they're going to want to leave. Or I'd say one of the greatest strengths of Michael Bloomberg was his ability to delegate identify good people and let them let them run with the ball a little bit. Uh, and, you know, that's how even in late in, in Bloomberg's three terms, you still got like a Jeanette Sadek Khan in transportation and you'd get good health commissioners is the idea you want those. And, and you're right. The, the two ones, the big ones are, are the school's chancellor and police commissioner. But the other ones, too. You want people to know that I want the best and the brightest and I will let you come up with policy ideas and I will let you implement them and I will let you shine. And there's big enough room for us both to take credit with something like Rudy Giuliani never got, something Andrew Cuomo never got. Um, and and I think if, I, I don't know, I don't know, you know, you don't really see that in a borough presidency. You know, this, it'll be very interesting to see what kind of talent, and I think he can get the best talent that he wants because everyone wants to work for a new administration in, in New York in the biggest city in the country. Uh, what he allows those people to do. If he micromanages, um, it, it it will backfire and I don't think help him at all. And that that's something I think he really needs to, to think about is what does he want? How is he gonna let the, these stars shine, these stars that he's gonna hire?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to me that, you know, one of the biggest lessons of the de Blasio years is how much of the job of mayor is about management and execution and focus on the nitty gritty where you can have... Uh, you know, a vision, you can have a lot of values. You can even put a lot of things in place, as you've said that that make a dent, but if you can't really uh, manage, execute, uh, and then also show your results in a in a smart and convincing way, you, you know, you lose a lot of people and you lose the opportunity to really,, um, you know, meet your goals in a significant way and and that, you know, it seems that Eric Adams has really, taken heart of that, although you you do hear him talking about you know, being uh, his own sort of national uh, footprint and his own, you know being a model for Democrats across the country. and you, you, you there's a couple maybe red flags there that that make you think he might repeat some of of the mistakes of the de Blasio years. But he does really seem to recognize how much of a of a job the mayor, has to just run city government well, provide services, improve those services, uh, you know, root out waste and inefficiency. And so, you know, it'd be very interesting to see w- what kind of lens he really takes on that and what kind of battles, um, you know, he's willing to engage in. One of the things that that strikes me the most, obviously a two decade member of the NYPD, how much is he going to be almost a co-police commissioner is, is one thing I wonder, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but I, you know, he's talked about hiring the first woman uh, police commissioner in the city's history. So it seems like that's not something he would backtrack on. Um, But I'm, I'm waiting to see as push comes to shove in the early months and into the first year, let's say of his administration, how much it seems like he's almost running the police department in a way that, as you said, as a micromanager may or may not be helpful. I don't know You know what your sense of of that is, or or as a former captain in the police department, what you think you know his outlook there should be. It's sort of like
1: Derek Jeter suddenly owning a baseball team, right? (laughs) And I I think that's the one thing that you know if if they're winning, then then I don't think Adams is going to overmanage. But if if the numbers of the Comstat and the crime numbers go aren't good. What will he be? Will he be like a Rudy Giuliani going to the ComStat meetings? I, I think that'll be that will be the tell if, if the numbers and the metrics are everything, you know, are pretty much everything. Um, and if they're going the right way, I don't think he'll get all that involved. But there will. I think you're right. It's a really good point. There will be that temptation. Hey, what, you know, what are you talking about? I was a cop for all these years. You know, you can't fool me. So I, it, it, I again, it, it'll be. The the pick, he said it will be a woman. It'll be very interesting if it uh, if he backtracks on that. Um, But it will be one of the most important early decisions he makes. And he's obviously aware of it because crime and public safety is the key to everything in New York. If you're a mayor or leading the city, you can't. Nothing can get done if someone's worried about getting bludgeoned on their way to the school or getting on going on the way to the subway or getting bludgeoned on the subway. and people want to leave the city. Nothing works. And so everything stems from that. And that was one of the greatest successes of the Giuliani administration was him getting that like like this. The, the city will not improve if people are fearful of walking around the city.
0: And it all stems from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean Eric Adams seems to very openly uh, recognize that and acknowledge that. Obviously, given the way you know he ran his primary campaign amid you know this backdrop of a of an increase in in gun violence in the city. Uh, Bob, as we look across the results here, it's obviously a very interesting mixed bag where you have the other two citywide offices will be held by these pretty far left progressives: in Jamani Williams, the public advocate, and Brad Lander, the comptroller. Uh, you know, the, the borough presidencies, uh, you know, sort of a mix that, that that often fit the politics of the borough and make some sense. Um, but then we, you know, we saw some interesting things in some of these city council races. We don't know exactly what the sort of character of the city council is going to look like. And that's going to be one of the most important parts of, of where the city heads is what the legislative body looks like and who the speaker is. As you look at the landscape right now, where we sit, Um, We don't know who the speaker of the council will be, and that will obviously determine a lot of the direction that the the city council takes and how they work with a a Mayor Adams or hold him accountable and so on. Um, How are you assessing sort of the landscape of city politics right now? It, It does seem like public safety continues to be obviously a top concern that dominated so many of these races uh, the reopening of schools and the pandemic, of course, closely you know, mm-hmm. right there in terms of top priorities across the city. But how are you thinking about the larger landscape that we're looking at as the new class of of government takes over in January?
1: When the city charter was rewritten, the idea behind it was that the council would gain strength and the mayor would lose strength and to be more equal. That's never really happened. Um, the idea. That we do see in Albany, where the legislature dra- dragging, was dragging Cuomo to the left, has didn't really ever hold. It never certainly didn't hold when you know Rudy Giuliani, a Republican, was dealing with the Democratic City Council. Giuliani always seemed to have the upper hand. I don't think we'll see Eric Adams dragged anywhere. I think he'll be drawing the line um, against the council. Now they can you know override vetoes, but I I don't see, and I think that the red the red wave that sort of lapped up, up a little bit on the shores of New York City. Yesterday will also cow some of the, the city uh, council members into being a little bit more cautious. Now, many of them are in safe districts and don't have to worry uh, about getting reelected uh, in two years because because of redistricting, they're all up again in two years, not four. Um, but some of them do live in districts that were were you know sixty forty, which may not sound close, but if you're if you're an elected official, 60-40 to you is way too close. So I. I, I don't buy into the whole idea that, oh, it, you know, it's a super liberal council and Eric Adams is going to be, be be pressured by them. You it, know, if anything, it'll go the other way, that he will come up with plans that he will try to get implemented and call on them to, to help him. He's got a bully pulpit that the city council uh, never, ever will have. Uh, and I think Eric Adams just gets that. I mean, he really, get, I think, gets already. You can just feel it. He understands the power of the office. Getting back to another Ben, you made a really good point before. One of the great failures of Bill de Blasio was like on week one already trying to seek out being a national star. All you need to do in New York City, all I'm making it sound easy, is if you're a star as mayor, if you're excelling as mayor, the national attention comes to you. You don't have to call up Time Magazine or the 21st equivalent, 21st century equivalent of Time Magazine. They will reach out to you because you're the mayor of New York City. Bill de Blasio was like you know basically calling up MSNBC trying to get on. Eric Adams, if he's smart, will realize just be a star, do a great job at city hall
0: and the attention will come to you. Right. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. I mean, that was one of the things that again, you know, raised a little bit of a flag for me right after the primary, when he was, he was anointing himself things. And I, you know, I I was watching saying, hold on, we just watched Bill de Blasio try to do this. And to your point, people will say that about you. You don't need to, you don't need to say that about yourself because yeah. Um, Yeah, no, that'll be very interesting to watch because the temptations will be there. I mean, obviously the, the media attention uh, you know, working with the governor, working with the president uh, there's going to be a lot of, of these, you know, opportunities that are also trappings in some way to sort of take your eye off the ball. But again, a lot of this will also depend as he maybe wants to be something of a celebrity mayor, if he figures out how to run the city government well, put the right people in place, let them do their thing, that he can he can somehow you know, find the right balance, which, again, Bill de Blasio seems to have struggled with. While he wanted to have a national platform, it seems like he also wanted to sort of micromanage you know, city business without also often making a lot of tough decisions. So it was a, a really tough brew there for him. Um in our last couple of minutes here, Bob Hart, have we has this election shown us that, you know, New York City was going further and further, you know, sort of in the Democratic direction? Obviously, voter enrollment numbers have only continued in that direction. There's more, you know, blanks, independents than there are Republicans in the city. But that we sort of we sort of hit the we sort of hit the limit on that. That, you know, New York City, at least for now, might have you know, gone about as far left and as far democratic as it was going to go for a while. And now, even though the city is still very much dominated by Democrats, you know, we've seen sort of a, a, a bit of a ceiling to that, a bit of a pull back towards the middle. A few of these city council races show that, um, you know, certainly the continued dominance, at least in the Staten Island borough president race of Republicans, you um, you know, some some of the metrics that we have in front of us are, you know, have we have we sort of seen in a new equilibrium kind of hit here, you think, or or because of the gun violence spike and because of the pandemic, you know, maybe it's special circumstances and who knows?
1: I mean, I I was looking at the last hundred years of mayoral elections and you haven't had three consecutive uh, elections where the Republican, the candidate on the Republican line got under 30 percent uh three times in a row. And that's what you've had here. This has been a, a particularly bad string for Republicans in, in New York city city for, from the mayoralty. And I think it's going to take someone like almost like a Republican, Andrew Yang, or someone who's not really, it's almost like a Republican in name only, only who could possibly, you know, win, because if it's a strict, like, you know, Nicole Mayutakis, Curtis Sliwa, or even Joe Lota. Republican, it's not going to work. Um, You've seen throughout the history of New York City uh, cycles where you do see a reformer come in on a fusion ticket and win, like LaGuardia, um, I think Seth Lowe, uh, and a few others. And that's, I think, what it would take to break, you know, it will be now, uh, you know, 12 years of Democratic hold. You haven't seen that really since Koch going to Dinkins, and that was a sort of a hostile takeover. So I do think that, like you're saying, the registration numbers have changed uh, for the Democrats benefit, Um, but there's going to have to be a new plan for Republicans if they want to break this because it's not a good streak for them citywide,
0: really. Indeed. Yeah. And, and again, the, the, we just, we haven't seen a a Democrat, to Democrat handover in, in, in several decades. So uh, an important point. Um, Although Michael Bloomberg's politics are. are, (laughs) uh, Yeah. I mean, they're squishy. I don't want to make them. He's certainly not a
1: Rudy Giuliani Republican. And, you know, he, obviously it's sort of like John Lindsay, right. Where he was a Republican and then became a Democrat. So. I mean, you'd put a Republican asterisk on, on, on Michael Bloomberg, although he did welcome the RNC, the Republican National Convention in New York, and right. sort of a Republican at, at one point. But yeah, you're right. And that's, I mean, John Lindsay is the same, and that's the sort of
0: Republican who could win in New York is but well, the problem for the party is, is the party's changed so much. Right. And almost, you know, Bloomberg, almost like this transition figure from Giulianiism to, you know, more of a... Uh, progressive to to moderate Democrats running the city after him. Um, In our last minute here, Bob, anything that stuck out to you from these elections as we see them right now that we haven't mentioned, um, you know, anything uh, about, you know, any of these races or where the city's heading uh, that that stuck out to you? And then lastly, also, if you want to touch on this or just jump to it, um, what'd you make of, of Kathy Hochul, the governor, uh, jumping in to speak very briefly at Eric Adams victory party. That was, that was quite a move by her.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the two, the, the one thing I would say is it's interesting looking at South Brooklyn and some of the other council districts. I think there are opportunities for Republicans on, on that level that, um, that any of the races where you and I like a month ago would say, oh, this could be close. It it wasn't close. The Republicans won all the ones that we thought could be close, which is very interesting. Or in Justin Brennan's race, he might win, he might lose, but like no one said, oh, this is going to be a toss up, which is where we are. So I I think there's opportunities there um, on a smaller level in some of these districts. Uh, The Hochul uh, uh, Adams thing is really interesting to me. Um, They both sort of need each other. Hochul wants to look like she can play well with others, particularly uh, uh, a guy from Brooklyn who happens to be the mayor of New York City. In Adam's case, this is an opportunity. Like you said, we don't know what he wants from Albany. He will come up with a wish list. This might be Christmas early for him because he. this is a great time to get stuff from Kathy Hochul because she wants, at least if not his outright endorsement, his support. Mm-hmm. So this could be one of the rare times where a governor and a mayor of the same political party. Actually, sort of play footsie and play nice for each other with each other for a while. The only way that I, I could see it not working is if Kathy Hochul decides she wants to look like she's you know tough and taking on the mayor, but that would be more of a general election type thing. So I, I you know, I think that if anything, she will try to be playing.
0: They both try to be nice with each other between now and the the June primary. Right. No, I think this is absolutely. Uh, you know, for his honeymoon period and transition, the perfect opportunity for him right. and for her to have her one, you know, her one session, her one budget before the primary, you know, to have uh, the New York City mayor praising her for things that she's, you know, doing in in Albany and in the budget, you know, she's got an opportunity. With with Tish James in the race and likely Bill de Blasio, I mean, I think if you're Kathy Hochul, your best case scenario is that Eric Adams just totally stays out of the primary, right? That he's sort of just uh on the sideline as opposed to getting behind one of his fellow brooklyn democrats um you know which seems to me at least you know the most likely scenario that he won't want to upset the sitting governor even for a few weeks uh before the primary so uh yeah that'll be very very uh interesting to watch uh bob hart really appreciate the time uh and we will catch up with you more as we look to this transition to mayor Eric Adams and we look to to wrap up the De Blasio years uh, you know I think um, we touched on a few interesting points and themes I really appreciate you know you bringing up that Bill De Blasio in some ways has has had a little bit more success than you know he's been able to take credit for because of some of his you know major uh challenges in in being mayor of New York City and now he's gearing up to run for governor so I think we'll have a lot to dissect about him, hopefully in another conversation, but, but thank you so much for the time.